0: The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Welcome to 1002 with your host, Mike Baker, an opportunity to pray for the harvest and receive a nugget of truth from God's word. The Nali people of Guinea-Bissau live in the southernmost part of Guinea-Bissau, If you're not familiar with Guinea-Bissau, it's on West Africa. And the southern part is really just lagoons. Lots of different waterways and and very uh, tricky to navigate. And that's where these people live. In fact, that area of the world is the only area of the world where there are saltwater hippos that live. We spent three years living in Guinea-Bissau, but we never had a chance to go that far south and really explore. Like I said, it's very very difficult to go down there. Most times, if you get that far down, you can only travel either by motorcycle or even boat. Uh, there are no roads because of just all of the lagoons. But these people, they live in the islands and they mainly grow rice uh, because it's a marshy area that's flooded six months out of the year. And when it's flooded, they have to get around by canoe. Obviously, they fish and grow some cola nuts as well. Historically, they actually believed in a single god they called Canoe and he was assisted by male and female spirits. But in the late 50s and 60s, many of them converted to Islam. And so now they have a very worldview mixed with traditional religion, their animism and their Islam. Needless to say, they're considered an unreached people group with less than 2% being reached. So they would be in the red category and the predominant group is now Islam. There's only about 10,000 people uh, of the Nalu's left and the language they speak is Nalu. So again, one of the hardest ways to witness to them is the fact that getting there is nearly impossible uh, for a a white person, for a Westerner, for anyone kind of traveling. There's no, uh, you know, there's no hotels down there. There's nowhere to live. There's nowhere to get resources. There's nowhere to get money, and so just travel in and of itself is very, very difficult. This would be a people group where raising up local leaders. And having the local leaders go down and and witness and be missionaries would be the best opportunity and the best bet. Finding ways really to just take care of their physical needs, but sending in local leaders. And so as you would raise up leaders in Guinea-Bissau and prepare them, then having them go and serve these people would actually make the most sense, which we see that all the time in scriptures, right? Not all, not every time did the apostles or, or Peter or Paul go, many times they sent people they had raised up. Paul spent time raising up Timothy and Titus and Silas and others, and he would send them out. And that would be the same situation here, send out. So Lord, we just pray for the Nalu people. We pray that local leaders in Guinea-Bissau would have a heart for these people, would have a tongue for these people, would want to go home and serve these people. Maybe ones that have... Move to the Basau or move to the city who 've come to know the Lord because of the church and missionaries that are in Bissau would want to return home to their their tribes and to their 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 home village and just share the gospel. We pray that we would rise up leaders in Guinea Bissau to send them into the harvest to send them amongst the Nalu people that amongst the Nalu people you would just speak to them in visions and dreams and help them to begin to ask questions and want to know. Who this true God is, not canoe, but who the true God is, Lord. We just pray for a rich, rich harvest amongst the Nulu people. As we head into Joshua, in my reading, we get the story of Rahab, right? And Rahab was a prostitute. She was a woman of the street, which makes sense why the men would go there. No one would suspect some foreigners, some strangers coming into town and going to the local tavern or going to the prostitute. That would make sense. That would be normal. It was made a a good place to hide. And so the men went there and they were being looked for and Rahab agreed to hide them. And she says in Rahab chapter two, she has this conversation with the, the spies. In verse 11, it says, as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heaven above and on the earth below. And so if you didn't know, Jericho was a a military outpost. Most likely most of the city was full of soldiers. And so there wouldn't be a lot of women and children in the city. In fact, the few women that were there were like Rahab and were most likely prostitutes. But it says all the men lost their fight. She goes, because we know. The Lord your God, He is God of heaven above and on the earth below. Isn't it amazing that Rahab had never heard the word of God? She never read the law. She hadn't spent time at the mountain. She hadn't spent time wandering around the wilderness, but she'd heard of God's deeds. She heard of God's protection. She heard of what God had done, and she knew that this Lord was the Lord of lords and the King of kings. She knew. That this God had something that her God and Jericho didn't have. She knew that this God was real and she wanted to worship him. And so she hides these spies and says, look, I understand who your God is. I'm confessing he is a true God. And I'm asking you because of that to take care of me, and to deal kind with me. When you destroy this village, to take me with you, essentially. And that's exactly what they did because of her kindness in taking care of the spies the israel's israel spared her life she got married and in fact she was was eventually a part of david's line and jesus's line one of three different women mentioned in the line of jesus rahab the prostitute ruth the foreigner and then of course the affair that david had with bathsheba but my point in all this is that sometimes our actions, and sometimes what we do speak louder than our words. Now, I'm not saying we should only focus on actions and not have words, and I'm not saying we should only have words and not have actions. I believe the two should be balanced. And I believe there's a grave problem in missions because some groups only want to have actions and some groups only have words. And I believe in having done missions and lived it myself, you have to have both. They must be balanced, words and actions. There's a time to serve and there's a time to speak. And listening to the Holy Spirit and knowing when to do both is important. But in this situation, Rahab knew who God was because of what God had done. And as we live out our lives, as we live like Christians, some people will know something is different about us by our lives. And that's one thing I've experienced in my life. I've had people ask, why do you do the things you do? How can you remain calm? Why did you go to Africa just by us simply being obedient to the Lord and living out our life in some situations has opened up conversations for us to share the gospel with people? Because they want to know why. Because the actions in those situations spoke louder than words. So remember that today. Rahab knew who they were because of what God had done. People know who you are by what you do. Think about that in the conversations you have today. The things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the jokes that you participate in, your business transactions. Think about what is the testimony you're setting? Do you look like a disciple? Do you look like Christ? Or are you looking just like the world? Because our actions do speak at times louder than words.